G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. It's at a time when the world is reeling from one catastrophe to another. The Israel-Hamas war continues to deepen. In fact, the whole world is on edge. By now, we might all be very cautious about what we see and believe in the news as propaganda machines wage a psychological war to win the hearts and minds of the world to justify their cause. Of course, it's hard to make sense, isn't it, of news reporting hundreds killed in a hospital in Gaza run by Anglican Christians, where both Israel and Hamas blame each other for the blast. And Israel, of course, has ventured evidence that they are not responsible for that strike. So how do you think Christians process the targeting, torture, the killing of children and the elderly, or the raping and murder of women? Death and destruction were supposed to disappear in an enlightened secular age. So what's gone wrong? Are these the things Jesus warned were coming? Well, today, Christian insights into the horror of the Israel-Hamas war with Christian commentator David Robertson, who says, pray and weep for Israel. David Robertson is well known as the We Flee, his popular blog site, and he's preparing to move to pastor a Presbyterian church in Newcastle. David, a special welcome back to 2020. Yeah, it's a privilege. I'm in the midst of packing. So uh, if you hear an occasional shout or someone wanting something, that's uh, that's what's going on in that chaos. But of course, what we're talking about is way more serious. And that's why I want to do it. You know, a lot of energy being expended at your own home right now, preparing for a move. Hey, on this war, uh, it is dreadful. Uh, it is horrific. The images that we are seeing. Uh, let me just start. Let's let's go right into the deep end at the start. And I mentioned this in the uh, in the introduction, and it illustrates just how significant it is making sense of what goes on in the war zone. Of course, uh, hard to make sense of that reporting of hundreds killed in a hospital run by Anglican Christians, where both Israel and Hamas blame each other for the blast. Uh, what have your thoughts been on how you process such things? Well, you know, it is interesting because you, the way you introduced it, that these things come as an enormous shock to us, and in a way they should, but it's ever been thus with humanity. You know, war, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a historian, and war, and the, the viciousness of war, and particularly in the Middle East. So, but there is a distinct difference now. We get news instantly, and there's an, a tremendous amount of propaganda. So, for example, it's very easy to see someone send you a video saying, look, this shows it was an Israeli rocket, or this shows it was a Palestinian rocket. And they may be doctored footage from two years ago. We don't know. Um, what I was really surprised at, I mean, I, I think the first thing I would say overall is, 
I listen to uh, some of my Jewish friends and I've got friends in Israel. Uh, I've got Palestinian friends and you feel heartbroken for them. I listened to an interview this morning with a doctor from the hospital and it's, it is just horrendous. But as to who is responsible for the horror, I think we do not help things. So I'll give you an example. The former Labour leader of the United Kingdom, Jeremy Corbyn, who's got about 10 million followers on, on Twitter or X as it's now called, immediately tweeted out, this is the responsibility of the Israel Israeli government. They should be punished for this, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it turns out that, uh, well, President Biden has just said it wasn't. Um, and it turns out that it, it's, it now looks as though it's extremely unlikely and that it was much more likely to be in a Palestinian rocket that went astray. Um, we don't know, but to tweet out as a politician, I am telling you this is what happened on prejudice, it's incredibly dangerous. And, and we as Christians have to be really careful as well. There are so many things that we just do not know. And I think it's better for us to admit that and to weep and not to seek to come up with very simplistic answers at the beginning. And I imagine that as our conversation continues today, we'll be looking to how we can make sense of some of the confusion uh, that's now around the influence uh, by the propaganda machines. And, you know, in reality, there's propaganda machines on both sides, Uh, a psychological war, as I mentioned there in the introduction. There is a psychological war. And uh, there are those who wanting to win the hearts and minds of people around the world. Uh, thoughts here from you, David, uh, so far as, you know, that psychological war and why they might be wanting to win hearts and minds. Well, it was interesting. Uh, after the Hamas attacks, and the Hamas attacks were designed to terrorise, they were horrific. But I, I think for me, it was almost just as horrific seeing, uh, how will I put it? people on the streets celebrating them. You know, not just in Arab countries, but tens of thousands in London, a thousand plus in Sydney at the Opera House, where there was that horrific chant for a while, which, you know, it did happen, gas the Jews. Uh, it, the, hearing the Imam shouting out from in Western Sydney, um, this is a day of celebration, as children were slaughtered I'm just going, how can it be a day of celebration? And I, I mean, I wouldn't celebrate if Israel invaded Gaza and destroyed Hamas and, you know, thousands and thousands of people died, which is highly likely. Um, I wouldn't celebrate it. It's not a game. It's not. But, but I think people make it like that. And so the, psycho, the, the psychological aspect of it is hugely important. And we need to be careful not to get drawn into these games. Uh, again, I just think for me, the picture is so dark that I find it quite difficult listening to the news. And actually, I, I switch off after a while. I hear your heartbeat in this because uh, when you become tribalist and take sides in a conflict like this, uh, you can almost see it as sport. Uh, mm-hmm. One side has a hit, uh, and there's, for some, the thought of celebration. But uh, as I hear your heartbeat in here, the Christian heartbeat is that there is no celebration in any of those sorts of things that you might see as victory because uh, we're talking about the death and destruction of people. Indeed, and there's no celebration because um, that was a Christian hospital that was bombed. 
you know, um, there are several Palestinian Christians now, to be honest, they're also persecuted by Hamas as well. But you, every human being is made in God's image. And I, I find that what politics is doing and everything becoming politics nowadays, it bitterly divides us. So you see the level of vitriol and abuse that has occurred here in Australia, at least uh, on social media, you see it um, with our recent voice referendum. Well, multiply that by 10 times and you get the kind of vitriol that exists in the discussion about this. So I have a Palestinian, I mean, I do a, a podcast and I uh, wrote an article on how Christians should respond to this. And I have a Palestinian friend who gave me a very gracious and generous critique of that. She didn't agree with me on some things, but overall said it was balanced. And then I have Jewish friends who've done the same. And I I don't choose sides, or, you know, in, in the sense of like supporting. You're right. It's a good analogy, like supporting a football team. Um, I tend to think my, my, my bias, if you like, is towards the Jews because I tend to think that there are 250 million people surrounding them who want to kill them. And I really do think that is true. That, that, that chant, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, means from the River Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea, we're going to get rid of the Jews. It doesn't mean uh, you know, a free Palestine in terms of we would understand a free nation. It means free of Jews. And when I've, I've heard that chanted in my native Scotland, I've heard it in different places, and it is absolutely chilling, especially when you remember what happened to the Jews. So the, another image that for me was just stunning was in Berlin last week, there were people marching, kill the Jews. And you're thinking, in Berlin, of all places, you know, you, you implemented that policy, six, six million Jews were killed, that's why Israel's there now. Um, and people say, oh, don't be silly, that could never happen. There's seven and a half million Jews in Israel, a population of 10 million. It is a Jewish state. Um, no, you, the, people would never do that. Yes, they would. The level of hatred is such that they would. So I, I do have uh, an empathy towards uh, seeing the Jews defended, but I also have an empathy in the terms of the Palestinians and think it's an incredibly complex situation. Um, yeah, it's it's just not simple. That's how I put it. It's not simple, and why I guess it's important to have Christian understanding about how you might look at these these things that are unfolding before our very eyes uh, when we ask what's at stake here, uh, because what appears to be developing uh, and what appears to be happening, the thought of a proxy war. Uh, where the nations of the world are dividing and taking sides uh, either with Israel or with the terror organisation Hamas. So what's at stake here is actually something that could compound and grow very big, very fast. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so the issue that here is, and you know, people look at this all the time and see biblical prophecy. I don't think I do. Um, but I think that the issue here is that Iran are clearly the key backers of Hamas. Hamas wouldn't exist without them. Um, Russia are now allying with Iran because of Ukraine and other things as well. And who knows you know, where China are at with all of this. And then the Americans put in their Mediterranean fleet, and I think it's the biggest warship in the world as well. 
they are doing that not to help Israel take Gaza because um, the Israelis are perfectly capable of doing that on their own. But they're moving in to deter Iran from doing anything. Uh, and my goodness, you know, it could easily escalate. People say, oh, no, 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 of course it couldn't. Yeah, but people, if you said that Hamas were going to, you know, paraglide terrorists in and to kill 260 people at a music festival, they would say, oh, come on, don't be ridiculous. So it is possible. I mean, humanity is such that a much larger war is possible. Now, we pray that that will not happen. Um, uh, but it, it, it would, it's very, very, very uh, concerning. And I think for the Christian, I come at it saying, well, Jesus already warned us about this. You and I have spoken about this before, you know, that the, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Well, that's what we've got. We've got Jesus's words, famine, plague, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes. Yeah, you know, we're, we're certainly living in those times. Uh, David, you've had some good connections uh, with people in the Middle East. Um, I've got prepared uh, to play a clip uh, from a nurse in Israel. And I wonder if you'd like to tell us how you came across this clip. Yeah, um, so I do uh, a podcast called Quantum of the Weekly, and it basically looks at news and views from throughout the world and culture and everything else. I, I use quite a bit of music. Um, I have impeccably good taste in music, so lots of people want to hear it. But um, I uh, do that, and I do Christian commentary. It's open for, for everybody. And somewhat bizarrely, I, I get... Uh, I mean, I get a lot of listeners, and I get listeners from all over the world. And often, I think the Christian network is the biggest network in the world. And often people will contact me with information. So I will say something from about a country and they will come back and say, oh, someone from that country wants to say, well, what about this? What about this? What about that? And I do try and check sources. So, of course, I mentioned Israel last week, uh, more than mentioned, but basically the whole program on it, Weep, I called it Weepo Israel. And uh, uh, a lady from Australia contacted me and said that I think her sister was a nurse in Israel and she gave me a copy of an audio that the sister had sent home to her family. This was not for anyone else. And I was so moved by it. I asked if I could use it in the podcast and it will be used uh, tomorrow when I put out my podcast. But I thought I would, uh, I asked again uh, when I knew you and I were going to discuss, I thought it'd be worthwhile your, what, you know, your listeners getting to hear this. And uh, I just find it very moving as you'll see, you'll see why uh, we're doing it anonymously okay because um we're doing it anonymously and uh i i won't identify the place or anything else uh, and i'll explain to you afterwards why we're you know you, you listen to it you know that it's real this is not made up let's have a listen in uh, to an anonymous nurse in israel hey everyone thank you for all the prayers it's really great to get support because sometimes when i scroll through or look through my Instagram and you just see people living their lives and enjoying it, it just makes you feel so alone and like nobody understands what's going on here. So it's really great to see support. Thought I'd give a quick update on our situation in the hospital, which is really under control and really fine for now after the initial shock and the initial bringing of um, all the wounded and and dead to us. So Saturday was the biggest hit where we received 200 patients and 
most of them were lightly wounded and either taken, either just in the ER or uh, moved to orthopedics. Uh, we received um, probably five or six patients, each one with a horrific story, but it's really great to be there for them. And if I could choose, I'd just be in the hospital all the time and never leave it just so I can feel useful and um, yeah and yeah we we talked to the head of um, trauma and the the person who's in, who's in charge in, in these war situations in the hospital and he said it was absolutely chaotic on a Saturday and they brought in a lot of dead bodies as well and that their ER didn't know how to deal with the amount of patients and so we'll probably be having a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, how do you call it, just drills to, to train us for the next time this type of thing happens. Uh, and yeah, you can see, he said that you could see on the bodies that they weren't just killed. You could see that they were tortured um, just by the type of wounds they had and stuff. And the people who saw it, it's really, it, it's really scarring and really um, emotionally hard for them. And um, prayers especially to one of my good friends from work. Her husband is a policeman and he's also been called up for reserve duty. But until then, uh, what he's been doing is identifying bodies, including the bodies of the 40 babies. He was the one to identify them. So special prayers go out to him if he can because the horrors that he saw she says that it's like living with a ghost that he comes home and he's not really there so if you could pray for him and for her and also for all the women in my ward whose husbands are away at war some of them can't come to work because they have no one to look after their children and so they're stuck at home and feeling helpless as well because they can't come and work and help and also, they're worried about their husbands, so prayers especially to them. But other than that, our hospital is under control. And also, we have a lot of Arab doctors, especially doctors in our ward, and they have been receiving a lot of hate and a lot of calls of, yeah, just not people, not patients, not wanting them to look after them and... Uh, they they also feel it, and so if you could pray for unity in between um, the Arabs and Jews that work together in the hospital, that it would be a time of unity and and not separation. That's another prayer point. That because yeah, um, yeah, that's another prayer point. So thank you all, and I'm off to my shift now. So yeah. Well, what you've got to do to prepare to go and do your shift at an Israeli hospital. Um, David, that clip, it displays a lot of things. Um, what what comes to mind for you as the most significant element that comes out from that nurse? When I listened to it the first time, I had to, I pulled over my car actually because... I just found it so moving and so upsetting. Um, this clips are real. This was not made to be put out on the internet or anything, you know. And as I said, I got permission to be able to use it. It was written 
it was a, a note to family members, really, to, say, to explain what was going on. Um, the things that stand out for me are doctors having to identify bodies or helping with the injured, people who've been deliberately tortured. 200 people in one hospital alone is just extraordinary. Um, I think the other thing that stands out for me is that uh, there was outrage. Uh, uh, an Australian journalist said the report of babies being killed was just ridiculous. Uh, well, he said more than that. Um, he should be ashamed of himself. Uh, that woman, her friend's husband, who's a policeman, identified the bodies of those babies. I, I, I cannot even comprehend having to do that. Um, and then I think the other thing that stood out for me was the lovely plea for prayer for the Arab doctors in the hospital who you can see why, but some patients saying would be really you know, angry against them. And she's saying, please pray for them. Um, and you know, that there'd be unity between Arab and Jew. And I just, I, I thought the whole thing was lovely. The emotional trauma uh, that comes out as she reflects on those things, um, the thought of prayer for husbands, uh, whether it's police or those who are working in their health system. So uh, the things that go on behind the scenes, oftentimes the news reports are on those who are on the front lines, uh, but those who are just dealing with the trauma and the uh, the consequences of all of those things uh, she really brings to the fore that that's very very difficult for people especially those working in the hospitals absolutely and you know the because there's been a, a call up and you know there are 300,000 Israeli soldiers uh, you, you've got a, a lot of the women who are working at the hospital their husbands have gone away to war and they're not able to come in that was another thing that that stood out you know I mean we so often forget the human cost in all of these conflicts, but I just think in terms of her voice and in how she was describing things, um, and I, we could have played a clip of a Palestinian doctor in a hospital in Hamas, again, with the same pathos and the, the same, but for me, um, it was a real privilege, actually, to be able to hear that kind of insight from somebody. I, to me, that's worth much, much more than all the journalistic analysis that goes on. This is what this is about. This is what, and just that prayer for unity and for peace is just so important. I was in, in church on the Sunday. I uh, cited Psalm 122, you know, the pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for the peace of Israel. And Israel includes Gaza in that sense. You know, it's very interesting, um, just moving it just a little bit in terms of more biblical uh, aspect. I notice Gaza is mentioned several times in the Bible, but two in particular. One is um, as the home of Samson, and he brought down the temple in Gaza on him, and, you know, 3,000 people were killed, and it was death and destruction. And I feel a little bit Hamas are, you know, bringing down this death and destruction on their own people. Um, the other, though, is it, it says about King Solomon that he ruled from, you know, beyond the Jordan to the sea, to Gaza, and that Gaza had peace and prosperity. That's in First Kings. And I just thought, well, that's what we want. We don't want the temple being brought down. We want peace and prosperity. But that broader picture is magnified by focusing on that one individual story.
Just a very short time out from news. Uh, I've invited listeners to call in 1-800-316-316. Let's take a quick call here. Mike is in Tasmania. Hey, Mike, welcome along. Hi, I'm um, good. Uh, the, the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, he has a book called, an autobiography called Baby, My Story. That is really quite helpful in understanding, for me at least, understanding the, the situation over there. Mike, yes, BB My Story, uh, something yeah. that uh, describes uh, and uh, brings out the heartbeat of the Prime Minister of Israel. Are you familiar with that, uh, David? Yeah, I'm afraid I haven't read the book. I do know about the book and I've seen summaries of it, but I couldn't comment on the book itself. Um, but I, I accept what Mike is from Tasmania is saying. Uh, and, and, and it's always fascinating reading the stories of people who are involved rather than just taking the, the clips that we get from news. So, yeah, I, I accept the recommendation. I really do need to read it. In fact, you prompted me probably to go and read it now. We'll take some calls in just a few moments. You've written an article published in Christian Today. It's called Pray and Weep for Israel. And in that article, you're venturing a whole bunch of good principles that Christians can use to be able to process what's going on. Where do you think we ought to start? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll list those principles for you and for your listeners. And if anyone wants to ask, or if you want to ask any questions about them, that's probably the easiest thing, because I think it's as a whole. So principle one was never excuse or add but to the atrocities of Hamas. You know, people who go, well, what Hamas did was terrible, but you don't do that. Principle two is don't glorify the violence or spread the horror. Um, there's a kind of voyeuristic, I would call it porn violence, where we look at, at uh, oh, look at this person being killed or look at this, that, and just never do it. I think the Israeli government were correct when they put out a warning saying to people, please do not disseminate Hamas videos which show people being tortured. It's psychological warfare. Principle three is don't forget the suffering of the people in Gaza. The temptation is, in one sense, to take sides and, uh, and then to ignore the suffering of people on the other side. Um, and I think we, we, sh we should never forget that. Uh, principle four is don't use the doctrine of equivalence. And that's uh, when people look and say, yes, but this happened to the, the Jews, but it was, it was terrible. Yes, but look. So it's, it's back to the yes, but principle. But there is the idea that the two sides are just equivalent, I think, is really wrong. I don't think they are. And number five is remember the hatred towards the Jews and why Israel exists as a country. And if we doubt that anti-Semitism exists or is prevalent throughout the world, I, I would I, I can't really respond to anyone who thinks that because it's evident even here in our own country in Australia. And then I would say from a, this for me is almost the most important pray and weep that we um, we need to pray to the Lord to bring peace and we need to weep for the lost in Gaza and in Jerusalem and elsewhere. So those are the principles. And in some sense here, it's not just about forming an opinion and how you deliver those opinions, but as you say, there's an action part of this as well. It is pray and weep for the peace of Jerusalem. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take a call. Julie is in Ballarat in Victoria. Hi, Julie. Welcome along. Hello, how are you? Thanks for taking the call. And uh, Julie, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts? 
Um, oh, look, it's a statement of, you know, look, this current crisis with what's happened, and as I've been muzzing over it and, and thinking back to my early beginnings of John 3.16, when I heard that through Sunday school and so forth, that God so loved the world, and, and the more I've looked at this situation, the more I've thought, oh, you know what, it's just, it, when the unconditional love of God is known by a Christian or, look, even these Jewish people, it gives an integrity and a strength that is just uh, unfathomable until I think you, you're in face-to-face with that sort of person. And I've come to realise that, the, that the, the fear that rises up in any human being is because they don't know how much God loves them. And when I had the privilege of being in Israel and, and having a tour there and these incredibly mature well-trained, highly disciplined young, um, uh, the IDF, the, uh, the uh, uh, military that we encountered at the borders, they were just so calming and mature that you just, it speaks to you about the psyche of the person, of the Jewish person, and it's probably even more profoundly sort of coming through to me now because they've had a history of knowing they're God's people and they're loved by God, the creator. Wow, what a power, what an integrity, what a, a stabilizer. And yet when people don't know they're unconditionally loved by God, that's what rises up with fear and anger. And and it's, I've probably come to think more and more, this is why Israel has been hated, the Jews have been hated over the years, because there's this profound security within their psyche, within their history, that they know they're from God, they're accountable to God. The Ten Commandments gives them that integrity not to cause the horrific things they will protect and defend, but they walk with a walk that they're accountable to God and it's just I guess it gives me that ability even just to pray more but for both sides of course but in that context of wow without God's love without us knowing God's love for ourselves fear is the only thing that rises up and then hatred and then all the other Julie, (laughs) wonderful insights you're bringing here and uh, one little qualification there in that there are a lot of very secularised Jewish people in Israel who don't acknowledge God and uh, you're uh, you're referencing uh, the many that do and perhaps uh, even those who would not acknowledge God are still familiar with the vast history of the people of Israel and that would be, you know, our Judeo-Christian understanding of what happened in the Old Testament and how God has delivered his people. So even the the most secularized Jew perhaps uh, still has a, a certain sense in which they understand that maybe God's presence and his power and his plans are still being outworked there. But uh, David, your thoughts here for Julie? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Julie, because... Uh, it's fascinating that there are more Jewish Nobel Prize winners than all the rest of the world combined, you know, in, in the sciences and so on. Um, uh, and the Jews have been an incredibly blessed race. But what Neil says is correct, too. I've come across many, many Jews who are atheists, actually. Uh, and there are, you know, I'm not sure that it's based on jealousy because of their relationship with God. I just think that throughout human history, maybe because they are God's chosen people, there has been this reaction against the Jews. Um, It's astonishing. I mean, Pascal, the French philosopher, uh, said that one of the great proofs for the existence of God was the continuing existence of the Jewish people, that the most persecuted race in human history, and yet they are still there and still thriving. But I do, where I do agree with you, uh, and it's, 
you know, Jewish people, lots of Jewish people have rejected Christ, as have lots of non-Gentile people. But lots of Jewish people have also accepted Christ. He is, after all, the Jewish Messiah. And for that, personally, I will always be eternally grateful to the Jewish people. And I pray, first of all, I, I long for the salvation of the Jews. But I think you've got some good insights there, as Neil said. Julie in Ballarat, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. To add to our conversation today, let's take another call. Ravi is in Ipswich in Queensland. Hi, Ravi. Welcome. Hey, how are you going? Very well, Ravi. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, see, I heard a little bit in the middle of the thing, so I may not be the right person to say anything. But my thoughts about the current crisis, is that what I have to talk? About the current crisis, and we're talking about principles today as Christians, how we might process those things that are going on in the world. What are your thoughts here? See, the basic understanding that I think about the spirit is that there should be a concept of moral standard which should be applied universally. Okay, yep. A concept of, this is interesting, a concept of moral standards that should be applied universally, and uh, we might say that should take in uh, both sides in this conflict here. Uh, Thoughts here from David Faravi. Oh, yes, of course. There's a, uh, there's, there's, if you like, good and bad. Now, what Christianity tells us is that there's good and bad in every one of us, and that was it Solzhenitsyn says the dividing line between good and evil goes through the middle of every human heart. Um, I do think we need a concept of morality, but we also need a concept of grace. And it's interesting, there was tremendous division in the New Testament times between some of the Gentiles and the Jews, so much so that the Apostle Paul, who was a Jewish scholar, called it, you know, the dividing wall of partition. And it was only through Christ that that was broken down. And I think the only hope for Israel, if if Jewish believers in Jesus and Palestinian believers in Jesus, if there becomes a lot more of them. And so that clip we heard earlier from the hospital, um, people working together, whatever their ethnic background, I think it's ultimately only Christ who can bring all of that about. So, yes, you're right. It is about good and evil. But how do we become good? We become good through faith in Christ. Ravi in Ipswich, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might want to add your two bobs worth to our conversation. You might have a question. Uh, You might have a comment. Uh, You might even have a critique. 1-800-316-316. David, let's come back to some of these principles because uh, we we don't want to miss some of these very, very good insights. Uh, Come back to the one that really appeared a number of times through that list that you mentioned. Never excuse or add but to the atrocities of Hamas. Uh, This one is, uh, it's all very well, uh, you know, it's easy to say, it's difficult to do. Uh, What are your thoughts here about this word but? because it does actually lend a qualification to whatever you say and sometimes leaves a door open to, uh, to anti-Semitism. Thoughts here around but? Well, okay, so it's, it's equivalent to saying, uh, you know, in, in a different scenario, 
that uh, there was a woman who got badly beaten up and attacked by her husband. And, oh, that's a terrible thing to do. But she was a really bad wife. Or, In other words, it's almost like saying she was asking for it, which is a horrendous thing to say and entirely wrong. And But there's a sense in which people, yes, what Hamas did was wrong, but you have to understand. And they then go on to justify what Hamas did. So on the one hand, they're saying it's wrong, but then they're seeking to justify it. Uh, and you do not justify one evil by another evil. Um, it's the same. If there was, let's say there was an Israeli fighter pilot who thought, I just want to get revenge, and he dropped his bomb on um, that hospital, which, as far as we know, is not the case. But supposing that had happened, that could happen. Um, we can't excuse what he would have done by going, yeah, but, you know, he just experienced all the horror and seen all of this. It may help us understand why people do some things, but it doesn't justify it. That's really what I was trying to say. Um, I, I think, I'll give one ex another example. One thing I did see was a, a Jewish, uh, young Jewish woman describing in tears of how she learned of her granny's death from her murder, and it was murder, being filmed on her personal Facebook page. Now, the cruelty in doing that, don't ever add but to that. Don't ever, don't ever say, yeah, but this has happened. Yeah, but this has happened. That's, that's excusing and justifying an absolute evil. And it just shouldn't be done. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Lee in Perth. Hey, Lee, welcome along. Oh, thank you so much. Look, my comment is that the, this is a spiritual warfare. <laughs> it's been going on throughout history. The enemy has always been against God's will. All the way through history, you see it. And it's been a destruction against... He wants to destroy God's will all the way through. And he wants to destroy you know, God's people. You've seen it all the way through history. And it's, it's in Ephesians 6.19, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world. And this is what's happening. This is why the world is against the Jews. This is why it's, it's happened way back, way, way back, all the way through. You've seen it with the Romans, you've seen it with all the way through, and you're seeing it again now. There's always, everybody seems to be against the Jews. Um, Lee, you're making some pretty, pretty powerfully good points, I think, because when you describe a spiritual war and spiritual warfare, uh, the indicator there, of course, is that Christians see a bigger battle, not just what's happening on our screens. Uh, thoughts here from David? Yeah, no, no, Lee, you're spot on. Um, I would go back, actually, you know, you, you mentioned the Romans and so on. But just let's just go back to the, the story of Queen Esther. You know, the, the whole purpose was uh, Mordecai uh, and so on. And you, you had Haman who wanted to kill all the Jews. Um, and I think there is, uh, unquestionably, there's a spiritual aspect. There is, the devil always seeks to destroy. And I think he wants to destroy all human beings. But I think he reserves a particular hatred for 
the Jewish people who God's word has come through, God's saviour came through. Um, there was, I think, that, I mean, my own understanding of the scriptures is there have been periods in history where there had been significant demonic activity. And one of those times was when Jesus came to earth. And that, and uh, particularly in the land of Israel. I think that uh, we seem to be at a period in history where there is an increasing darkness and I, I don't want to over dramatize it but ultimately I look at a lot of what's happening in the world and yes there's human stupidity and human sinfulness and so on but behind it all is the prince of this world and the father of lies and uh, I, I think your comment about a spiritual warfare is absolutely spawn. And while we've got Lee here, another example, of course, uh, that we were talking about just the other day on this program, uh, of course, uh, Elisha and Gehazi. And uh, yeah. we can read the story in Second Kings. And um, it says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The thought that there is a bigger spiritual battle on. Uh, this is an important point just to draw out here and your thoughts, David, that, that when we talk about a spiritual battle that's going on, and even with that illustration, Elisha and Gehazi, uh, that the armies of the Lord are much greater than the armies of the evil one. Any thoughts here uh, when we think about the spiritual battle that is on? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I belong to uh, a church. Well, I'm pastor of a church in Dundee called St. Peter's uh, Free Church of Scotland. And its first minister was a man called Robert Murray McShane. And McShane used to pray for an hour every day for the Jews and three hours on a Sunday. Um, he, he did, a, he did the, the first kind of mission to Israel. He visited Israel and uh, he set up something called the Christian Witness to Israel and so on. And out of that, came things like the Balfour Declaration and ultimately the State of Israel. And I think that I'm saying all of that just pure and simply because prayer is so important. And, you know, my, my wife and I, when we, we pray together each day, we're trying to remember the Jewish people, not just when there's this big crisis, but um, I certainly don't pray for an hour a day. I wish I did, but um, it's... it's uh, uh, I, I think in a situation like this, we may feel helpless and many people in the world feel helpless, but we're actually not helpless. We can call upon the King of Kings. And I think the Lord's people should be interceding and praying for the peace of Israel and for the peace of Gaza. Lee in Perth, thank you so much for your call. Time is running short. I wish we had a lot more time to unpack that big list of those good principles. Uh, just to quickly go through a few of those before we just uh, have to sign off here. Never sure. excuse or add but to the atrocities of Hamas. Don't glorify the violence or spread the horror. In fact, you called it porn violence. Um, don't forget the suffering of the people in Gaza. Don't use the doctrine of equivalence. That one coming back again to careful about how you use the word but. Remember the hatred towards the Jews and why Israel exists as a country. 
And the other one, pray and weep for the people of Jerusalem, for the people of Israel. If we're just putting some loose ends together here, uh, David, uh, what would you say for that believer who's looking at the psychological warfare that's coming because they're they're opening their social media. They're looking at the news on the screens, on their television sets. They're, they're getting this news that's coming in. When you when we appreciate uh, the challenging times that we're in now, uh, what's your any final words of advice for listeners making sense of the conflict as Christian believers? Yeah, so, um, sorry, the, I'm thinking of one issue is the, 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 the level of depravity of evil in humanity, not just what's happened, but things like the Black Lives Matter movement in America tweeted out a meme of uh, somebody with a paraglider and a Palestinian flag and said, you know, we support Palestine. And I'm going, those paragliders flew into a music festival and slaughtered 260 people. Don't Jewish lives matter. And so I think, you know, we do need to recognize the extent of the evil and not hide away from it. But for me, we also need to recognize that Christ came to defeat the darkness and Christ is able to turn things around. And for me, I want to look at the Jew, Jesus, and how he's the, the savior of the whole world, not just of Jews, not just of Gentiles. And I want to proclaim Christ and I want to pray to Christ. Um, I think my wife, um, for example, in her work had a couple of Jewish friends and, you know, she just phoned to check on them to see they were okay. I, I think if you've, if you've got friends or neighbors or people you know who are Palestinian, they're concerned about relatives in Gaza, you can do the same thing. But most of all, you can, you can pray and don't be taken in by the world's propaganda. You'll hear... Well, on the one hand, in, in Proverbs, I think it talks about, I thought someone was right until I heard the other side. And then I heard the other side. We're not called upon to judge all these things, but we are called upon to love and to pray. And I think that's what we should do. Well, David Robertson, time has run out. And my apologies for any listeners trying to get through, not able to get through. I have to put a line under those calls for now. So I appreciate you trying to get through with your comment. David Robertson, To for people to connect with you, the we flee dot com the w e f l e a dot com and uh, you mentioned you've got a podcast too called quantum of the we flee the sorts of things we're yeah. talking about today you've written an article that's published in christian today so listeners will be able to google that and the article's called pray and weep for israel uh, David, just to mention too, your latest book is called Seek. Uh, you had one uh, a little earlier called Ask. Uh, this one called Seek uh, for listeners who are looking to get a hold of that. And you might keep an eye out for David's articles. Uh, they often appear in uh, newspapers and magazines. He has written a number of books, including The Dawkins Letters and Engaging with Atheists. Uh, David, thank you so much for taking some time to share these yeah. thoughts with listeners once again today on 2020. Thank you. It's been a privilege being with you, and now I have to get back to the packing. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.